Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC comes to their very last card of the year, which is UFC in Busan, South Korea. Frankie Edgar versus the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung in a very exciting featherweight matchup. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as our two other favorite fights on the card as part of our fights, dogs, and parlay section, where we will also add in a parlay that we think you should gamble on as well as an underdog. And before all of that, we're going to be talking to two of the fighters who are actually on the card. We'll be talking to Mike Rodriguez as he gets ready for his bout with Daun Jung. And then we will be talking to Mad Danger Schnell as he looks to make it five in a row in the flyweight division and is really nipping at the heels of uh, title contention at this point in time. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Lambs. Visit GetLamps.com to check out their innovative line of radiation-proof clothing. Look, there are lots of studies out there that show radiation can lead to all kinds of bad things, like low testosterone levels. It could affect your reproductive cells and all kinds of other bad things. It, and radiation comes from all sorts of places in our life. Technology is only expanding. It's certainly not going away. So why not protect yourself with lambs? They've got beanies and underwear that help protect your noggin and your downstairs. I personally wear their underwear all the time because not only does it have those protective qualities that I mentioned before, but it is legitimately the most comfortable underwear that I've worn in my entire life. You should certainly check them out and their whole line, which will actually be expanding very soon to both apparel and women's underwear at getlambs.com. And you can stay up to date on all of those developments at getlambs across social media platforms. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, getlambs. Get Lamps brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Mike Rodriguez, who fights Da Eun Jung at UFC in South Korea on December 21st. So, Mike, I actually want to start by talking about your last fight, because your last fight, it was a loss to John Allen, but shortly thereafter, he pops for some banned hormones and some other stuff that was in his blood. Uh, it gets changed to a no contest, but how are you dealing with that, you know, loss slash no contest mentally as you head into your fight in South Korea? Um, I handled it just like a regular loss. I went back to the drawing board, worked on things because in spite of him getting popped with things, I, it still was a loss. You know what I'm saying? So I just took it on a chin and just, just moved forward, moved on with it. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now you said you, you were working on some stuff and, and went back to the drawing board. How, how much did you feel like you had to go back to the drawing board and maybe what were some of the things that you were working on? Uh, I think my, my, the problem with that is that um, I was too tense. I um, was coming out the gate with too much tension. I was just like, I wanted just to hit him. I want, you know what I'm saying? I, I couldn't. There was like no finesse. Like I, it just, it wasn't good. And I, um, I didn't play my game. I played more into his game. I just wanted to hit him and score versus to like being smart and scoring smart. So yeah, that was my that was my big problem there. But, uh, yeah, went there and just fixed, tuned on some things. And, and what do you think contributed to the fact that you, you thought, you know, you wanted to go out and fight like that? Was it something he did pressure-wise, or was it something you had going into the fight? Well, he didn't. Well, uh, first, we was planning to fight um, 
John Vellante. So we we plant. It was like somewhat of a different. It was the different fighter, essentially, between Vellante and um, John Allen. So I had to um, just change. I had to. I feel like I had to engage the fight because he knew he wasn't really engaged in the fight. He kept trying to counter me. If uh, that was it, and I and I didn't utilize my whole toolbox. I just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, now that makes a lot of sense, but I, I do have to ask too, you know, some of my, my favorite memories of watching you fight are ones where you went out, you know, kind of looking to hurt him right away. You know, you got the flying knee knockout at uh, Contender Series. You've got, you know, you got a knockout at CES MMA in only seven seconds with what I could only describe as a, a 300 kick. Like, you know, obviously you're the type <laughs> of guy who comes out and finishes people fast too is that something you're looking to get away from to fight the smarter fight or is that still something we're going to see as part of your game um unfortunately like like they always like the great chill peeps on it says don't you know don't forget what brought you to the dance but um you know you just gotta the game is so evolved now like there's no more one shot guys like you gotta play things you gotta be smarter how you do things and um you know you gotta be able to you can't just be too lax and you can't be too explosive. You have to find the gray. And that's what I'm in the midst of doing is just finding that gray line. I, I, but, like that. Uh, I, think I, I think I got it now. I think I got it here. Well, I certainly like that mindset a lot there is trying to find that way to, to use the flashiness and use the smartness. Now, obviously there's a whole nother dynamic going into this fight with Dotton Jung in that you have to travel all the way across the world. And, you know, looking over your professional record, seems like the farthest you've ever traveled seems to be, you know, Vegas or shortly thereafter. What is your first sort of thoughts on your first fight outside of the country and how are you preparing for that? Um, I'm actually really pumped to go to Asia. I, I, Never thought I would ever be in this situation to go. And I think – and the one thing I love about it the most is that I'm going there doing something I love to do. So that's um that's cool within itself. But other than that, like him him being from there, fighting him in his country or anything, none of that has affected me. Like it's – I'm just going – because, you know, we're going to fight. So it's there's no, there's no third party in there. It's just him and I. That's it, you know. So I'm not really sweating it, but I, but I think it's cool to be on this end of things, and I think this is what will hopefully bring the best out of me—the fact that I'm going to there, to his country, to fight him in his yard. You know. So you you mentioned in there that you you know you never thought you'd be able to go to Asia, especially not as part of work in this you know capacity. Is, is Asia sort of a place you've always wanted to go? Is is this like a bucket list uh, place for you? Oh, hell yeah. I always wanted to go to Japan. Always. Like, it's like my childhood dream. I'm like, oh, man, I want to go to Japan. Da, da, da. So, um, yeah, I was I was, I was, was planning on going there afterwards, but with the kids and Christmas and everything, I, I can't do that for the kids. I got to come and watch their little cute faces open gifts. <laughs> Absolutely, too. Um, now, I do have a question, too. So, obviously, you said you can't hang out there too long. Is there anything you're planning on doing in Korea before the fight, or is it, you know, like, all business until the fight goes down? Uh, the one thing I want to do is eat a lot of food, a lot of the food. I love <laughs> Korean barbecue. So, having an authentic Korean barbecue is going to be phenomenal. So, so obviously, with that question, too, I do have to ask, how's the weight cut coming? Because if you're looking for Korean barbecue and don't have a ton of time after the fight, how we looking? <laughs> <laughs> the weight's low. The weight's low. The weight's good. Uh, 
good way I'm all, where I'm always at during this time, like two fifteen ish, two sixteen, hovering around there. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be great. All right, that sounds good. Now you mentioned you know Christmas time rolling around. You got this fight with Don Jung. He he won in his first fight. What are sort of your thoughts on him as an opponent and what you got to do to get him out of there and, and maybe pick up a little bit of extra Christmas money? Um, he's really good. He's really fucking good. Um, they they definitely picked a a good fighter there. Um, I just have to play my game and not worry about him. He's a I noticed about him he's a really big counter striker mm-hmm. and he's a boxer, so that's pretty cool. Um. There's not probably not going to be barely to any grappling exchanges or jujitsu going on in that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just got to got to be smart and uh, don't feed into them and change my angles and things of that nature. Makes a lot of sense to me. Now I, I know a lot of fighters don't like to give predictions, but I'm going to ask for one anyway. How do you see this going down when you throw down with Dawn Jung? Uh, I got to beat him one round at a time. I had to beat him one exchange at a time. I can't. Um, it might be a knockout. I might finish him. I might not. But it, it, it just I cannot play the game of just trying to go out there and blast him. Because again, he's a dangerous counter striker. Mm-hmm. Dangerous. It's really good, and that just feeds into his game. So I, I got to be just win one exchange at a time. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I'm a Massachusetts guy myself, so I would be remiss if I did not ask you a couple of questions about the UFC being in Boston just a couple of months ago. Because I know you were probably yeah. healthy at that time. How bummed out were you that you couldn't be on that card? I was really bummed out. Because during the time when I, when the time that I had, that when the card came around, I just got booked for the South Korea card. So I was like, e- yeah. But, um, it, it was it was cool. It was good to see all my teammates on there fighting. A lot of other guys that I came up in the scene with me, that I came up in the scene with uh, there. Um, it was cool. It was like a big reunion because it was like you see a bunch of other people in Boston crowd that you haven't seen in a while that's come out for fights and stuff. So it was cool. It was really cool. That's awesome. Now, I do have to ask, too, once again, as a, a Massachusetts guy myself, i got to ask, how important is it to you to get on a UFC in Boston card uh, before you, you know, obviously your time in the UFC is up? Oh, man, I would love to do that. It's That would be huge for me, really huge. I, I want to get on a Boston card really bad. I want to get on that last one, but it just didn't pan out. Um, but, yeah, I would love to. Well, we'd certainly love to see you on one. Uh, but in the meantime, you've got some work to do over in Korea. Once again, this was Mike Rodriguez, who fights Da Jung in UFC in South Korea on December 21st. Mike, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike Rodriguez. I'm going to move you on to our interview with Matt Dangerschnell in just a moment. But before we do, I wanted to give you a quick disclaimer. So me and Matt Schnell were texting back and forth trying to set up this interview. And we one of us must have gotten the time zones wrong. I didn't realize he was on West Coast. He must not have realized I was on East Coast. Wherever the miscommunication lie. It was a weird uh, snafu when it came to booking this interview. I wound up calling him at a very early time in the morning, uh, and credit to him, he decided to do the interview anyway, which I really, really appreciate. So if he sounds a little groggy on this, it's not due to a bad weight cut, or it's not due to him having rough time training, it is just because he is a super nice guy. So we hope you enjoy the interview with Matt Now Here it is. 
This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland from Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Matt Danger Schnell, who fights Alexandre Pantoja at UFC in South Korea on December 21st. So, Matt, I want to start by talking about two and a half years ago. So you come off of the Ultimate Fighter, immediately lose a couple of back-to-back -back KOs uh, to Hector Sandoval and Rob Font. You're now on the longest win streak in the division. You're knocking on the door of the title shot. What exactly was the change that two and a half years ago? You know, uh, I stand by that uh, I'm, I haven't changed much. Um, when I went through that time, those losses, uh, the, it, it, was just, it was just a hard time. Uh, I, I haven't changed much. I believe in my team. Um, and I've, I've really just, uh, kind of tried to focus more on, on, uh, simple things and, and just, uh, believing in myself and believing in my team and, uh, I haven't changed much, you know, st stuck to the plan, uh, from, from the very beginning. So yeah, here we are. Well, I like that confidence in yourself. Now you're. Like I said before, you are on a four or five win streak. You are as close as can be to a title shot. H how close do you think this win over Alexandre Pantoja would put you to that title shot? I mean, it's got to put me in the mix, right? I'm five wins in a row. Uh, it's it's hard to say. You know, right now uh, I'm I'm just focused on getting this win. But uh, yeah, it it puts me there in the mix. So uh, hard to say, but. Um, I, I got, I got to think that uh, my name's on a short list, you know? Absolutely. Now I do want to talk about what it means to be in the mix right now at, at flyweight, because that's kind of a difficult question when you think about it. Uh, obviously you've got a two division champ who hasn't fought in either of those divisions since he's won, uh, the titles recently. I, I know that you were on Henry Cejudo's squad on the Ultimate Fighter, but what are sort of your thoughts on him as the champ of the flyweight division right now? No, you know, I think Henry's done a great job. Um, he's, uh, you know, he, he kind of put the flyweights back on the map there uh, early on, and, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel that uh, there's work to be done, you know, and obviously – He's got uh, other opportunities, and he's moved up weight classes, and he's done a great job there. Uh, it just it just seems like he he doesn't necessarily want to come back to the division, and I, I don't necessarily blame him. But uh, yeah, um, I'm sorry. No. The question again. No, so my my question was, what did you think of him as a champ? And I, th I think you nailed it. You you feel like he probably won't come back down. To, is that a feeling that you're getting from it? Yeah, I I feel like he won't come back down. And I've spent some time with him, and I I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he has good intentions. He's just trying to do what he needs to do. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it it doesn't look to me like he's coming back down. It's that just uh, all the things he says, all the things he does, leads me to believe that. He's gonna he's gonna stay a bantamweight and and that's fine. But uh, we need to figure out what's happening. So uh, that's that's why I feel like it's up to me and Pantoja. It's up to uh, it's up to Brandon Moreno and Kai Car France. We we got to really go out there and push the pace and uh, put put on some good fights so that this division has uh, has a little ground to stand on. So I, I, 
it's it's unfortunate. You know, I, I just don't think that the flyweights are out of the woods yet necessarily, and we uh, it's up to us at this point if if we want this division to continue to be something. I think it comes down to us performing here in these uh, next coming weeks. Wow, that's absolutely a, an interesting take on it. Now, you know, you mentioned Pantoja, too, who's obviously your opponent for this. This is another person you spent some time with. Uh, obviously, the flyweights are all tightly knit from that first Ultimate Fighter uh, with the flyweights. So you've spent time with him. He was even on your team in the Ultimate Fighter. What are sort of your impression, initial impressions on uh, his fighting style? Yeah, I really like Pantoja. We were, uh, you know, we we spent time together uh, on the show, uh, after the show, and yeah, I root for this guy. I I, uh, I I think he's one of the good guys in the sport, and uh, he's always he's always been cool to me. Uh, as far as his style goes, he's a gritty, tough guy that uh, you know is hard, obviously hard to put away. Never been finished in, in his career. And uh, he's he's fought a, a group of really really tough dudes. So uh, I, I like Pantoja. I've always respected him and his style, and uh, I look forward to the challenge um, and testing myself against uh, an athlete like like Pantoja. But uh, I think I'm I think I'm the best in the world, and uh, I plan on proving it. Absolutely. Now, I, I know some fighters don't like to give predictions, but I'm going to ask you for one anyway. So when you fight Alexander Pantosha on December 21st, what's your prediction? How's this one go down? It's going to be a scrap. It's hard to say. I uh, never guarantee victory. I believe in myself, obviously, and uh, hope for the best. But uh, I've prepared myself. I'm ready to go out there and uh, put 15 minutes of hard work in to earn this. So I predict a W. But uh, I can't predict necessarily how. Um, wise man once said, every fight's a story yet to be told. And uh, I've prepared myself to to be a big part of uh, the story. So that doesn't make much sense. Right. <laughs> but... Hey, it's 4 a.m. in the morning where you are, man. Uh, the fact that you took this interview, I already appreciate it. Once again, fans, this was uh, Matt Danger Snell, who is fighting Ella Shandri Pantoja at UFC in South Korea on December 21st. Matt, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, too. And those interviews with Mike Rodriguez and Matt Danger Schnell are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app that helps you track your martial arts progress. It now supports over 35 different martial arts. So whether you train sambo, kickboxing, boxing, jujitsu, judo, or any other martial arts, they've probably got the martial art for you. And, and let's talk about a little bit of how you can track them. You go to the Google Play Store or uh, Apple Tunes, iTunes rather, and you can download their app. Once you have their app, you set up a profile with what martial arts you train, what belt you've got, and maybe where you train. After that, you log training sessions, you can type in little notes so that you don't forget things, and it helps you track week to week, month to month, whether you're making the progress you want to make. It also helps you keep track of which skills you're, you're working on and which ones you might need to work on a little bit more. They've got other great features such as talking to your friends, ways to log competitions and your, your weigh-ins, and, and much, much more. So make sure you check them out, Maroon Social. Now I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, what do you think of Matt Schnell's Cejudo claim here? 
I think Matt Schnell is 100p, right on the money. Hit the nail with the hammer on the head. He's a thousand percent right. Yeah, I, I kind of agree too, and I've thought it for a while, and and I know that Cejudo is like largely chasing these like big money fights, so to speak. Although I really don't respect the call of Jose Aldo, uh, fresh off of a loss. But uh, yeah, I I think that all of the ones he's been chasing that are so-called big money fights are all at bantamweight because right now, due to the shape of that flyweight division, there's not a lot of what we call big money fights, right? Like a rematch with Joseph Benavidez is sort of that, but apart from that, like, you know, Machinot is, is nipping at the heels of a title shot here with four wins in a row. This would be five wins in a row. And, and you know, yeah, he he probably doesn't have the name recognition of somebody like Jose Aldo or, or Marlon Marias or, you know, whoever else is up in that Bantamweight division. Yeah, I think that flyweight division, it was always lacking and still needs online support. A Biggie, Tupac, Chuck Liddell, Tito, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vincent Mann, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Roddy Piper. Just a good old-fashioned rivalry, and it never had that. And unfortunately, that's just kind of the fight business we live in. But it really, I guess, just lacks the drama you get from some of the other divisions. Yeah, and I, I think maybe they would have had that, too, if we got Cejudo Mighty Mouse 3, right? Like, w- would that have been at least, you know, we would have gotten to see a tiebreaker. We would have gotten to see a trilogy. We hadn't had any trilogies in that division yet. Uh, and, and all three of them would have been for a title shot. I mean, like, that's something. But you're completely right. I actually think, and I wouldn't have minded not having an immediate rematch, even though it was Demetrius Johnson's, you know, division, and he certainly deserved it. But to let Cejudo go out, maybe pick up two more wins, his social media troll game has really stepped up a few levels uh, in the past year. That would have been a massive fight for 2020 had Mighty Mouse stuck around the division or the the whole promotion. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and some of it was his choice and some of it wasn't his choice. You definitely can't blame him because he seems to be doing really well for himself in 1FC. But, yeah, I, I think that that probably would have, you know, again, Chanel talked about, like, worrying about the division being saved. That might have, like, straight up saved it right there. Well, it might not have been his choice. It might have been his choice. I'll tell you what's our choice. It's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dog, and Parlay. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC Busan, South Korea. And boy, am I excited to break down this uh, fight card. But I'm even more excited to tell the fans that this Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by the Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational. People, let me tell you something. There are a lot of new grappling tournaments out there, and none of them are going to hold a candle to this event. Let me tell you something. All subs are basically legal, okay? We're going back to the roots of submission grappling. We're going back to the roots of jiu-jitsu. You can heel hook in a gi. What's that? Yeah, you're going to be able to heel hook in a gi. You can follow them, Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational, on Facebook and on Instagram. I highly recommend you check it out. The event is going to be February 1st. 2018 it's going to take place in poughkeepsie very cool venue and there's going to be an eight-man tournament with the winner walking away with a thousand dollars 170 pounds aaron harris is committed to it nick ronan of the danaher death squad is committed to it they're going to be some of the highest level grapplers in the northeast in this tournament and it's all taking place in a few weeks a little over a month from now 
first weekend of February. Again, it's the Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational. You're going to want to give them a follow on Facebook or Twitter. They bring you fights, dogs, and parlays this week. Gumby, are you ready? I am very ready for this one. All right. Well, let's start with the Korean Zombie, who's a minus-175 favorite in the main event against the New Jersey Zombie, Frankie Edgar. He's a plus-155 dog, but he's, you know, always a live dog is Frankie Edgar. Korean Zombie is coming off a win over Hanato Maikano via TKO, lost to Yair Rodriguez in a fight of the year uh, candidate back in 2018, elbow, KO elbow with one second left in the fight, but he beat Dennis Bermudez before that in February of 2017, so he's 2-1 in his last three. Uh, Edgar, 1-2 in his last three, losses to Brian Ortega, coming off a unanimous decision loss to Max Holloway, but he did manage to beat Cub Swanson uh, in a rematch back in April of 2018. So 1-2 in his last three. Common opponent in Yair Rodriguez. Frankie Edgar beat him in May of 2017, TKO via doctor stoppage. And, of course, we already know what happened when Yair faced off with the Korean zombie. Who you got here? I actually like Frankie Edgar on this one. And I know that that seems kind of crazy because there was talk about him leaving the division. But look at the people who have outpointed Frankie Edgar. Right, like there are two people on this earth who have really truly outpointed Frankie Edgar, unless we're going like way back. We, we you can probably find somebody way back, but the ones who I'm thinking of are Jose Aldo and Max Holloway. And I guess if you go all the way back, Benson Henderson, but that was in like 2012 or something like that. New school Frankie Edgar, featherweight Frankie Edgar. The only people out there outpointing him are Jose Aldo and Max Holloway, who are two of the greatest featherweights of all time. I don't see Korean Zombie knocking him out. And I also don't see Korean Zombie outpointing him, right? Like, can you imagine Korean Zombie putting him against the cage? No, he's not going to do that to Frankie Edgar. He's going to take Frankie Edgar down. No, I don't think so. And Frankie Edgar is really clever on the feed. He uses his jab. He moves well. I see this as a pretty clear five-round decision for Frankie Edgar. And get him at plus money. If you're one of those people out there gambling, I feel like that's a slam dunk. Do you have a inkling as to why Korean Zombie would be, I mean, not really even a slight favorite, but, you know, a comfortable favorite at minus 175? Yeah, I think it's probably got to be the narrative that Frankie was leaving the division, right? And, and you mentioned before when we were, you were talking about their careers and where they're at, Frankie Edgar has lost two out of three, right? Like, And the only win is over Cub Swanson, who is currently not ranked. Right, But those losses are to the number one and number two guys in the division underneath the champ. So number two and number three, but ranked one and two in the division. Whereas you're looking at Chan Sung Jung, who's a guy who's got to win over Dennis Bermudez, which like, you know, if we imagine Frankie Edgar having fight, fought Dennis Bermudez, does he beat him? Yes, absolutely. He's got a lost D.I.R. Rodriguez, who we watched Frankie Edgar run through. And then he's got a win over Hanato Moicano. Do we really believe Frankie Edgar wouldn't have torched Hanato Maikano? No, if you look at that schedule for Frankie, he's 3-0. and So I think there's somewhat of a recency bias when you think about the way that Frankie Edgar's lost. Maybe people are thinking that Korean Zombie can knock him out since Brian Ortega did. But, like, I mean, like, he has been knocked or rocked so sparingly in his career that I just can't see... Korean Zombie doing that, and I, I think the bookmakers and, and maybe the people gambling are probably on the opposite side of me on that one. All right, well, very well said. We'll move then to the light heavyweight division, uh, and you know maybe it sneaks up on people, but Alexander Rakic, did I pronounce that right? Rakic, Rakic, the Austrian fighter, 27 years old, is a minus one favorite, 
minus 150 favorite over Vulcan Ozdemir, a plus 130 dog. Uh, don't look now, but Ritchick is uh, undefeated in the UFC. He has never lost. He is 4-0, wins over Francimar Barroso, Justin Ledette, Devin Clark, Jimmy Manoa, TKO and KO over Manoa and Devin Clark. So he's 4-0 in the UFC. Vulcan Ozdemir, friend of the show, is coming off a big KO win over Alir Latifi, who's now moving up to heavyweight, but that's another story for another day. Before that, he had three high-profile losses in a row. Ozdemir lost to Daniel Cormier in a championship fight that he probably wasn't ready for, uh, lost to Anthony Smith via rear naked choke, and then lost to Dominic Reyes in a split-decision loss. Uh, Reyes, of course, challenging Jones for the title next. So he's 1-3 in his last four trying to, you know, maybe right the ship on his career right now. Who you got here? I'm going with Rajic. I think that this is a clear pick for Rajic. It's a great fight for him. You know, he's moved up to number 10 in the light heavyweight division. This is the right step up for him without catapulting him up the rankings too much. He has got some pretty powerful wrestling that I think people sleep on in this case. And Ozdemir has shown an issue with his wrestling defense. You know, uh, he, he got a little bit more back on the right track in, in some of the recent fights, but Ilir Latifi took him down. And, and not that Ilir Latifi can't wrestle a little bit, but look back at some of Rachich's takedowns, and Rachich is much more punishing on top, and he's much better at holding people down. And all of that being said, he's got a kickboxing background. So the fact that he comes from a kickboxing background, he's been using his wrestling to be devastating. He's got that knockout over Jimmy Manoa that was absolutely devastating. I, I just think that this is a terrible matchup for Vulcan Ozdemir and could create another star in the division. Uh, very interesting. And I think that division is starving for stars. And I like what you brought up about the ability to hold Ozdemir down. We obviously saw that with DC, who's probably on another level of top control, but still Ozdemir had a lot of trouble getting back up once Daniel Cormier got on top of him. So if the fight goes to the ground, we pretty much know what to expect. Uh, let's wrap up our final fight, uh, breakdown that we'll do before we get to our dog and our parlay. And this is very exciting because our boy, Doohu Choi, is coming back and he's going to be taking on Charles Jordan. Jordan, a plus 260 dog. Uh, he is, was eight and one in his career and then debuted in the UFC, uh, back in May of this year and lost to Des Green. So he's O and one in the UFC betting off at a big plus 260 dog to the favorite, Duhu Choi, a minus 290 favorite. Uh, it's worth mentioning, though, that Duhu Choi is on a two-fight losing streak. Duhu Choi was 3-0 and in the UFC with huge KO wins over Juan Puig, Sam Cecilia, Tiago Tavares, and then that fight of the year, fight of the ever against Cub Swanson back in December of 2016, taking him to 3-1, and took two years off for military service, came back in January of 2018, and lost via TKO to Jeremy Stevens. So now he's 3-2 and two in the UFC, Not you know only fought once in the last three years, and on a two-fight losing skid, but a big favorite here. What do you think? Yeah, you mentioned him being on a, a two-year layoff. That does concern me about this one. If I'm a gambling man in this case, I am staying away from betting Duhu Choi at nearly negative 300. That is a huge number for a guy who's coming off of a nearly two-year-long layoff. And for that reason, I would not bet on Charles Jordan either because, to be honest— I didn't like what I saw out of Charles Jordan in his debut. He comes in highly touted as a Canadian prospect. 
But he was outstruck by Des Green, a guy who we typically don't think of being all of that potent of a striker. And that's even if you you uh, erase all of the strikes that Des Green landed when he was on the ground after taking him down four times. So like if you rela- erase all of the ground strikes and you only look at standing and clinch strikes, Des Green still outstruck him. Which is, if you're getting outstruck by Des Green and you're about to fight somebody who's got an output level like Duhu Choi and a power level like Duhu Choi, that spells disaster. So, gun to my head, I'm picking Duhu Choi. Uh, but as far as where my money is, it's staying in my pocket. Gun to my head, we seem to always nail our parlays, or at least our dog, every week. So you're going to want to follow the show at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. You're obviously going to want to subscribe to us, which I hope you already do, because we're passing out some really good gambling advice every week. You're welcome. Let's get to our parlay this week. And this is one of those foreign cards that's really going to test my pronunciation <laughs> uh, as a dumb American. It's going to be Rayoni Barcelos, a minus 145 favorite. And Kung Ho Kang, a minus 240 favorite, play those together in a two-person parlay. It comes out to be a plus 140 for you. Why do we like these two guys? Well, first of all, I would like to commend you on your perfect pronunciation of Rayoni Barcelos and Kyung Ho Kang. Uh, I like Barcelos sure. against Said Nurmagomedov uh, for a main reason. I-, I think Barcelos's takedown attacks are actually super underrated. And despite the name on Nurmagomedov, he's not an excellent takedown artist, and he wastes a lot of energy with spinning stuff. Barcelos has got great footwork. He's going to move out of the way of a lot of that spinning stuff. And I just see him stepping into a couple of those leg kicks and throwing big overhand rights and being able to knock down said Nurmagomedov, or at least damage him enough so that this is going to be a one-sided beatdown from Barcelos. And at negative 145, he's the perfect type of person to put in a parlay because he's just over the medium number. And I really think Sadner Megamedov's name is making the, the nut line closer than it is. Somebody sees a Russian name, you throw money on it. So I like Barcelos as the front end. And on the back end, I like Kyung Ho Kang. I think he's got phenomenal takedowns. I actually think he's one of the more underrated people in his division. He's fighting Liu Pingyong. Uh I think Pingyong is is a good pro- prospect out of China, but at the same time, I think he gets taken down repeatedly here by Kyung Ho Kang, if Kyung Ho Kang sticks to that game plan, um, and at negative 240, good one to pair with Barcelos and wind up with positive money there. Always like ending up with positive money, our dog of the week, is Suman Mokhtarian, a plus 235 dog over Sung Wu Choi. Why? Yeah. Yeah, and I love Suman Mokhtarian and definitely get in quickly on this line right now because him at plus 235, I'm not sure it will stick around it that much, but I love him over Sungwoo Choi because Sungwoo Choi, if you look at his first two bouts, first of all, he's 0-2, and second of all, in addition to being 0-2, he's conceded 10 takedowns. Now, Suman Mokhtarian, not known for his wrestling, but he does have a little bit of wrestling uh, to speak of. You know, like I've seen him on the regional circuit in Australia hitting some takedowns, and I think for that reason, He's got that in his back pocket. In addition to that, to Suman Mokhtarian is being looked at as a huge underdog because he's 0-1 in the UFC with a brutal knockout loss. That brutal knockout loss is to Sadiq Youssef, who is now 3-0 in the UFC, and he's fighting Andre Feely on the Connor versus Cowboy pay-per-view now. Like, he is no slouch. So for your only loss to be that guy and people seeing you and writing you off— I think that's probably why he's being seen as a huge underdog. And with multiple paths to victory here against a winless opponent, I think Suman Mokhtarian is a great way to pick up some extra dough. Boom. That's our fight, songs, and parlays for this week. Follow the show on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. 
You can thank us or you can hate us for the advice we dished out this week. We certainly hope you enjoyed it. Gumby, that about does it for my end of things. Why don't you wrap the show up and take us home, as they say? Well, of course, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without Flow Combat, the mothership. They help keep our lights on at Top Turtle MMA Studio. And we want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Get Lambs. Make sure to visit Get Lambs across social media platforms. And make sure to check out our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We got all kinds of cool things going on, including maybe another autograph giveaway coming during UFC Korea, if you can get up that early for it. Now, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.